Welcome to the Human Design Collective Podcast, where we explore this system as a unique map of our potential, from the mundane to the mystical. In today's episode, we discuss shattering, the experience of a sudden major shift in our sense of self or the world as we know it. Can this be a gradual process? Is it inherently shocking? What can we do when we feel like things are falling apart? How can human design and other modalities such as plant medicine and therapy provide support? Join us for the conversation with human design guides, John Cole, Amy Lee, and Kendra Current. And we're back. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Amy Lee, John Cole, and myself, Kendra Current. We've been swimming in the conversations of human design and the various modalities that we've been working with and most recently got interested in a conversation around the process of shattering and how it relates with human design and plant medicines and different kinds of change work practices and therapies. And I thought I'd start off by asking you, Amy, the shattering process is referred to a lot through a foundation reading or when someone initially goes through their living design, living your design experience. And I wonder if you'd like to kick us off talking a little bit about the nature of the shattering experiences through those two different doorways. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a term that's been used that is a pretty, it's a pretty intense word to use but when, when we're talking about it, I think it points to the way that human design has been described as a, as a system and a pathway to awakening. And an awakening is you know, a pretty big buzzword now. People talk about it in a lot of different terms, whether that's through uh, healing processes or through spiritual practices. But it seems like this awakening process that we can come to, part of what it involves is a shattering of illusion. There can be a shattering of or a letting go of the way we've seen ourselves. And I think that's really one of the biggest gifts of a human design foundation reading. And then if you take it further and go into a living your design class, part of what can get transmitted through that is a recognition of what you are, what your true nature actually is. And when you really feel that or get to experience that, it can radically alter the way you've seen yourself. It sort of challenges whatever beliefs or worlds or conditioning that's been created in us so that we suddenly have this different recognition of oh my God, I thought I knew what was going on here. I thought I knew what was wrong with me and what was right with me and what was wrong with everybody else and what was right with everybody else and what worked and what didn't. I thought I knew what was possible and what wasn't. I thought I knew what my problems were and what my strengths were. And I think what can happen in a human design reading is you suddenly get this transmission or recognition that shows you, oh my God, maybe, maybe this isn't at all what I thought it was. And so then if we take that to something like plant medicine or some of these uh, modalities like we've discussed with you that are all about shattering conditioned beliefs, letting go of conditioned beliefs, 
I think in the moment that that happens, we call it a shattering because it can feel like that. It can feel like suddenly the world I thought I knew is, is blown apart. What are we left with? It can be a really complex process. Uh, and it's something for then for us to sort of integrate and reorient to. So yeah, that, that's how I see it uh, and, and what the gift of it is, but it's not necessarily an easy thing. And, and I think people experience it in a lot of different ways. But I'm curious also, I know that both of you have some really deep experience in some other modalities which offer a similar kind of process to people. So I'm curious about how you see it as well. Yeah, I could, I could speak to that a little bit. Through what I sometimes call change work, personal change work, um, specifically speaking about NLP, but also other modalities that work with subconscious processes or peel the layers back on unconscious beliefs. When we start to mess around in that territory, it can very much rattle the cage a little bit and shake us out of who we think we are. And there can be this process of destabilizing the identity the coherence of who we think we are and in transformational NLP, they're calling it an illusion of release. The illusion that when we release that coherent sense of identity that we're so familiar with that we know that we can survive or, um, you know, maneuver through the world with whether that's, you know, at a highest state of thriving or not, it's familiar to us. <laughs> so the illusion that when that goes away, we might actually die. And the physical body can even go through a process of extreme disorientation from feeling fatigue several days after doing some work or um, I saw in, in some of my trainings, now this is the extreme, obviously, when we're going really deep after someone has, you know, massaged the field for a while. Um, I, I did see someone who got into a pretty deep core issue and, you know, ended up laying down for a whole day in the training, was vomiting, you know, the body really releasing things that it had stored on a cellular level in the in the immune system and on an energetic level so it's really interesting to think about ways to access the conditioning that takes us just enough to the edge where we don't have some kind of psychotic break <laughs> you know like how how can we titrate this experience that brings us into those layers that also can, I had a friend that called it, wear your comfy boots <laughs> in the spiritual path, you know, like, yes, we're going to you know, press the edges and, and, and come to the edge of reality as we know it, but let's also be kind to ourselves in that process. So that's also something that I pay attention to when I'm consciously taking someone into a shattering or when they're calling for it, whether they know it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting in terms, there's something that's just occurring to me as you're saying that in terms of human design is the way that Ra Uruhu, as the originator of this, the way he worked was very much like, and as a manifester, was almost like 
shatter and go, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just get the thing out and then, and then he's gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've heard him talk about that, how he was aware of the impact of that and that people would do with it what, the, what they will. I, I don't know how responsible he felt about that, but I'd imagine that for all of us as practitioners and as projectors, it's probably not quite as easy to uh, think of just sort of dropping the bomb and walking away. I think that's an interesting thing to think about. How, how do you, you know, any, any of us choose to go through that process? Some of us may be more well-equipped for something that's very radical and intense and all at once and totally disorienting and, and then somehow able to adapt to that. And other people might really need to take it a lot more slowly and small, you know, bite size it in some way. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think about that, John? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it brings to mind a question, like you're saying with Ra, like where he was coming from with, with that type of orientation to, a, you know, a shattering process or awakening process, you know, from, from what I can gather he may have felt like it's really not up to him and it may not even be up to us in terms of whether someone actually wakes up or not, or how they come to the, to a system like human design or any other modality that, that has that effect. It kind of brings up this question of choice again, you know, and and this is, this gets a little bit slippery, but I think as either projectors or therapists or counselors, people who are used to working with others and taking them through a process and really putting our attention on them for us, we're going to do, we will do it however we do it. And that probably involves kind of a longer term exchange or interaction with somebody, you know, where there is this, this sense of like, Oh, what's appropriate for them. And then coming out of it and saying, all right, well, what kind of support do they need or how can we help them integrate this experience? And, and that is my orientation you know, from the point of view of, of, of raw manifester and just who he was, you know, it's not too surprising that he would have a different way of approaching it. And I think some that may have been informed by just the amount of awareness he had about how things are kind of like we've touched on before, we can pretend a little bit like we have a certain amount of say, to say about how things go. But in the back of my mind, I'm always kind of wondering like, well, where, where does that really begin and end? And it's probably going to come down to the individual in terms of, you know, how we resonate with others and what we feel comfortable doing. And so both of you are pure individuals. One, the channel of initiation, shock, John, and Amy, you being a mental projector, having all individual circuitry up there. (laughs) Um, And I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that, assuming all three of us probably have some kind of sense of walking people through their integration after coming into contact with this information that changes people's worldviews. I'm curious if either of you would like to speak to that and how you might see your frequency impacting the other or being an individual, how you work with the other in that process. It is an interesting question for me to look at you know, I have a single channel definition through the 2551. The 51 is the gate of shock. 
and it's the channel of initiation. What I've seen or noticed, witnessed in my own process is when I'm working with someone as an analyst, a human design analyst, I, I do a lot of foundation readings. So I'll get people coming to me through my network as a two four who either referred to me or they're friends of a friend. And a lot of them have never had any, have, it's their first, it's a foundation reading or it's their first experience with human design. And I find myself constantly in that position of taking someone who's more or less brand new to it coming in and kind of delivering like a fire hose approach. I've got one shot at getting something across to them, giving, giving them as much as I can in that moment, probably too much in a lot of cases, and really just putting everything into it. It's, it does seem to have this kind of initiatory quality, like I'm just going to drop this on you. And maybe I share that to, to some degree with, with, with Ra. He was also a 2551. It, interestingly, it just occurred to me. But as a projector, I feel like I do feel, and I'm, you know, I've got... Uh, gate 27 in my incarnation cross. I do care, you know, and I, and, and it's just a part of who I am. So I also feel some sort of obligation to be there for them afterwards to be available, but I don't really push it. And a lot of people, they, they'll have their foundation reading and they'll go away. And it's sometimes rare for me to hear from them or get feedback until like maybe a year later or something. And someone comes back around and says, wow, that really had a, you know, had a effect on me or that, that really shifted things for me. And, and I'm like, Oh really? Oh, well, cool. That's nice to hear. Cause I don't, I don't know. That's been, that's been mostly my experience. It, it does seem to just come through my design. It seems to kind of shape my, my approach in a way. That's what I see is like we, we, we literally are doing our design when when we work or when we're working with people or in, in these situations. It's it's really funny just to watch that from a more of a you know passenger consciousness way. Like, well, I, I, this is just how I do it. I don't know if I have a lot to say about it. I can try to do it a little bit better, but it's just me. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can relate to a lot of what you're what you're saying, John. And just for the geeks out there, I, I, I have the uh, 51 as my personality earth. So the gate of shock is also something that, that I feel very connected to, but I have the 57 out front. So 57 is gate of the gentle. So for me and working with people, I'll tend to go gentle at first, just kind of feel my way into it. But I feel like I'm always sort of sensing in to that other person as a projector and kind of finding where's where's the opening? How far can I go? How deep can I go? How much can I deliver? And it's, it's kind of an experimental process. And it's something that I, I rely on my, um, on what I'm taking in from the other. And I rely on my own intuition to have a sense of, of what I can. I mean, it's almost like the real time practice of being a projector. It's like, how open is this? How far can I penetrate? How, how deep am I invited to go? with this person. And it's, it's a very interpersonal experience. The image that was coming to me when you were talking earlier, Kendra was almost like, sometimes I feel like in a, in a reading, it's almost like I I'm delivering something that, and it opens a door. Suddenly it opens a door to a different world, a different, whole different sense of reality and sense of self for the person. And then it's almost like, okay, the door's open. 
now where where are you going to live? You want to go further? You know, you want to you want to really walk through that door and keep going and see what else. And some people are like, yes, more, more, more. And and now I want to come back and have more sessions because I can tell I'm going to need help to keep that door open. And that for me, that's what integrate integration sessions mm -hmm. are about. And some people are kind of like. They're looking through it. They're kind of feeling something. They've got, they'll put a toe in, but then they're sort of like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go now. And, uh, you know, and maybe I'll hear from them again, or maybe they're just going to be like, yeah, I, I think I want to close that door or I'm not ready or not interested in going further through that door. Yeah, that was a sense. And, and then there was some, there's something about that almost feels like breathing to me is, is what was the image that was coming to me. Like you learn to be able to like, live in that new different world that changed reality you learn how to like find your way in it and be able to breathe there and and find some trust in yourself which is the whole point with human design is if you're willing to experiment with it what it's offering is a whole different sense of what you can rely on in yourself and the shattering is part of like shattering all those outer authority, outer conditioning things that we've been relying on. What's coming to mind is I think we have to talk about the not self. That's essentially what we're shattering. I, I tend to look at the not self as this, this almost like an alter ego or persona that's developed that can consist of really it's kind of backed by mental decision-making and adaptive strategies, coping strategies that may have been useful at some point in our life and, and relevant at some point, but we're, we, we built kind of a, a sense of self around it, a persona around it. And we're operating through that in order to, to get on in the world or to do what we think is the right thing to do or what we should do, or we've been told to do. If we built a life around that, and then that starts unraveling or we, it starts being taken apart or brought into question. Then it kind of begs the question, but well, what do we have at that point? What do, what are our points of reference? You know, and, and we are given, we are given a point of reference in human design and as it's, as the true self or something that we can, we can kind of go back to in terms of like turning inward in ourselves through strategy and authority through connecting to our bodies or a deeper sense of truth within our own process. You know, to me, that's essentially what, you know, what the shattering is about is this deconditioning process that we can embark on. I was thinking, you know, all of this might sound kind of scary to people like whoa you know I keep hearing about human design and I should check it out but I don't know <laughs> shattering what does that even mean what does it mean my life's gonna fall apart <laughs> okay yeah so things start to unravel and maybe we have choice or not around how quickly the process happens you know if we're also following our primary health system and eating in a certain way. There's a detoxification of the body and things that really can speed up the process in a way. And the, the beauty of coming back to strategy and authority as the ground. <laughs> um, so that's what was coming up for me as you were talking was thinking, 
yes, it gets uncomfortable, like the whole way through the first, I don't know, first couple years probably in particular, but um, in these seven year cycles that Ra has talked about in terms of the deconditioning process, that like, how do we find ground in the midst of this unraveling and that the thing that is stable is the opposite of the not self. It is our definition and coming to deeper and deeper recognition around our auric type and the authority that we have to decide as we get more and more comfortable with not knowing along the way. Yeah. I I like the point you're making because I, I actually think that in a lot of first time readings and probably through a lot of therapeutic modalities as well, where you're establishing a kind of, safety in a working therapeutic relationship with someone, the process can be more gentle at first where there's just, I mean, I I certainly experience a lot of people in a, in a foundation reading for the first time. will just have this sense of, Oh yeah. Yes. Like you're, you're naming this thing. And that's what I've always felt was actually really true about me. And so many things around me have had a problem with it but somehow inside I kind of knew that that's just the way it is. So there can be a very sweet and very gentle, just sense of feeling recognized and that feels good. But at some point, whether it happens early on or it happens years later, at some point we all have experienced such a depth of conditioning in this world, the way it is. We can't escape that. And I think at some point we all hit certain decisions or certain choice points we face certain things in our lives that really confront this question of how am i going to navigate this and the safe and painful conditioned thing still feels safer mm-hmm. and this other thing feels very unknown and out of control and that's where I think we get into a mind confrontation. That's, that's where we get to really see what is this mind control that we all end up getting wrapped up in. And at some point, if, you're, if we're really going to get access to our true nature, we're going to find a place where we have to confront that beast <laughs> in one way or another. I can relate. I actually just recalled the article I wrote about a year ago, <laughs> which was titled when life becomes a, a free fall. That was, you know, my attempt at putting some words to some experiences I was having of deconditioning and letting go and, you know, essentially feeling like I'm flying through space without a tether and kind of realizing like this may actually be closer to a natural state for me in some ways, but it's certainly not the condition, comfortable, quote unquote, safe experience that, that I may have been aligned towards or oriented towards before or seeking. Deconditioning, as you're saying, it's, it's not a joke and takes a, it's taking longer than I thought, you know, as you start peeling back these layers and layers. I remember when I first came to human design and you hear this seven year period for entering into the experiment and going through a cycle of deconditioning and I, you know, I had done a lot of work before I came to human design, personal work and, you know, working in different spiritual traditions and mind body work. 
And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see about that. And then once I, once I got into it here, I'm still just five years in, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm starting to get this. This is a slower process. There's a lot more going on here. And it may involve some, some real world significant changes in one's life that are very unsettling and are shattering. And it's not for the, uh, I don't know, the, (laughs) the timid, I guess, and on a certain level, but like, like you're saying, Kendra, you know, it, it, it's not all, you know, it doesn't have to be so scary, but it can also be kind of helpful to have points of reference or allies or people that you're connected with mm-hmm. going through that process with you. Kind of going back to this topic around like plant medicines and the type of experiences that you have in, in those, those arenas, that's something that is recognized is that there is this kind of integration period after a very intense, say, retreat or ceremony that's necessary. And it can be helpful to have others who've gone through that before or to feel some sense of community or support through that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be a big conversation in the ceremonial world, especially for us sort of in the Western frame of mind that, you know, we dive into these unique experiences that are, you know, have originally emerged out of a complete cultural uh, foundation where there's a space for people to have that experience and there's more of a frame of reference for it. And, you know, taking someone who doesn't have anywhere for any of that to land, the, the experience that they go through, I think it is, it's, it is a conversation of how, do we assist people after going through something like that to come back to their life and not just blow everything up or blow everything up if it's right for them to do that, you know, but to, and it makes me think of the conversation around waiting also in human design, waiting through an emotional process, waiting for something to respond to waiting for an invitation that life has its own timing and way of things too. Yeah, and I think there, at least in terms of human design, you can see the kind of bite-sizing potential there where it doesn't necessarily, there may be moments of some kind of uh, waking up to something in a different way or having some insights or realizations about what's actually true about yourself rather than what you thought was true. But in terms of everyday life, in, in a lot of ways, it, it can be a slow, you know, moment by moment process. So just take, you can take the guidance that comes through a system like this. And just if we slow down and don't try to like tackle our biggest dilemmas and our most major decisions first, which is often what people come to a reading or a modality for, if you just kind of slow everything down you know, listen to some of that guidance and just try waiting and seeing if you can feel your body's response Mm -hmm. or just try using this other way of navigating in relation to a little decision, you know, today, rather than trying to tackle the biggest things first. It can be a gentle process. So kind of like what you were saying, John, I I do think it can be, uh, it can kind of be tailored to who you are as individual and how you're going about your process. 
when I think of something like plant medicine or some of what you're referring to, Kendra, it seems to me like the potential value of some of those experiences is that it, it takes away some of that sense of control or mind interference, whether we like it or not in a pretty radical way. Mm -hmm. So there you're going to step into something where it's like, you might think you're going to have some kind of control, but you're probably not. And then you find out kind of like you were saying, there can be those moments and maybe we have that in an altered state or in a ceremonial state, or we can have that. I've certainly experienced that in just, just normal normal life, no substances involved, we can have these moments where it can feel like you were saying, like something's dying. Like, am I dying? Is this the end? I think that can be a big experience to go through and, and maybe bring us to the realization of how much our bodies are actually storing. And, and I think that's something too that comes when we're talking about the deconditioning process. Why doesn't it happen just like that? It's like, there's a whole lot our bodies have been through on this planet makes sense then comes mutation <laughs> something out of nothing just arising i i'm thinking about the context of these times and here we are having this conversation about shattering and there's a collective shattering going on right now yeah and there and there are a lot of um there's a lot of information getting put out from all different kinds of authorities and all different kinds of groups, people gathering behind all these different opinions and beliefs and scientific data. And it's quite a thing to watch all of this stuff out there. And I mean, to me, it really shows why we, any of us would want to support somebody and being able to find some internal sense of being able to navigate their own personal truth and, and how they're going to relate to what, what's happening in the world because we're living in, in very intense and complex and heated times, I would say. Yeah, it seems to be needed more than ever now, mm-hmm. which from a certain point of view, you might argue that that's part of the role that human design has in our culture right now to kind of point us back to ourselves, back to inner authority, reconnect us with our bodies as something we can ground in through strategy and authority. And as you're saying, having that as something of a a contrast or point of reference for turning into a, a, a very potentially confusing collective field when it comes to facts, data, science, and you know, the different beliefs and opinions that are everywhere. I'm thinking about what you were saying earlier, Kendra, in the context of this, because obviously we're, we're living in times where there, there are some shocking and kind of radical changes happening, at least in, in what we're being confronted with on the societal level. And you had said something earlier, Kendra, about when somebody goes through that, what did you call it? Illusion of release mm-hmm. process, which may, may feel like a death process when they go through some experience of like letting go of the old world or the, the old belief system gets shattered and then they're in a new place how do you hold work with someone 
in that state or in that process. Mm-hmm. Well, very much like you're talking about, I'm, I'm kind of tracking them where they are each time I meet with them and seeing what's available to move. Mm-hmm. And, you know, energetically in a way, inviting them into that space and holding them as a the totality of a being with multiple ages and one body, multiple generations concentrated in one being. And I'm also paying attention to it during the conversation in terms of the ecology Uh, So this is a phrase that's used a lot in the NLP world, um, the way that I've been trained anyway. I don't know that all NLP talks about it this way, but really being respectful of all the life experience that's come up to this point. And rather than trying to look at it as bad or wrong or sabotage certain parts of ourselves that we think have been the bad guys, to say, oh, there's a useful context through which this behavior emerged mm-hmm. and appreciating and including that. And you have less of a game of resistance then. Mm-hmm. And it creates more of an opening for a change that can be more smooth, can be even sometimes like less recognizable to the person who's going through the change because when you've done change work that is um, facilitated skillfully and inclusively of all the parts I was just mentioning, the system can adapt a lot more easily training them in a way or inviting them in a way to become much more familiar with their true self or with the desired outcome that they're interested in throughout the session. So as their nervous system calibrates to that, you know, when they leave the session and the change work has been done, when we've, you know, rewired some neurological patterns and and introduced some resources, the system has more bandwidth and more potency to deal with whatever changes might then happen in their external world. So I I appreciate like that dance and the art form of being with someone and all the complexities of their humanity. I can, I can feel through you the way you're talking about it, just the way that our bodies can be such a resource in really simple ways that we don't always see right away. And sometimes it just takes another person being like, okay, well, take a deep breath, (laughs) you know, or like, or you're not alone. We're still here. You know, you're still alive breathing, but you know, we can find some of those resources in the body or we can find resources in another person's body. Just being there, having a a different nervous system, a different set of realities, a different frequency that's there that is, isn't scared or isn't confused by what's going on inside of us. Mm-hmm. Entrainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully we haven't scared people too much. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can um, 
we can see that there, there are a lot of ways to explore this, to kind of approach this process of change. When it gets uncomfortable enough in the way that things have been, it starts to feel better to reach for something that is less known. I'm wondering like what kind of advice you might give someone who's feeling or who's going through a shattering process or a deconditioning process and they're looking for a point of reference or some way of grounding. We've, we've talked about strategy and authority as being one of the major tools in human design. I know that in plant medicine work, a lot of it comes back to the relationship one has with one's body, uh, the breath, and a certain level of surrender and acceptance, like this is what's happening now. This is my experience now, honoring that, but just letting it be, not feeling like you have to do anything about it necessarily at this moment or it needs to change or be different. And those are some of the kind of the perspectives or tools that I've, I've used and relied on. But do you have, either of you have any guidance or thoughts for, people who are looking for some sort of, of grounding or support through this? Yeah, I love that you're asking about this. And it reminds me of, you know, Ra talking about, it's all about form consciousness. <laughs> the shamans knew it, like everyone who's, <laughs> you know, worked with awakening processes, it comes back to the body. Awakening happens through the body. But, you know, something that you were mentioning, Amy, just breathing or when we're when we find the mind racing and trying to run after an answer or land on something or when there's you know a humming buzzing sensation in the body or um when we find ourselves like speeding up and trying to create some sense of stability even just dropping the attention lower in like up to a lower focal point in the body or even if most of the body feels uncomfortable, locating one place, no matter how small, that feels good or safe. You know, it's like, oh, in my left shoulder right now, <laughs> I, I feel like soothed over there, even though there's other stuff going on in the rest of my body, that kind of thing. I mean, there's so many things, even just getting out and putting your feet on the ground <laughs> or listening to music, dancing, being with another who feels regulated. Yeah, and I invite people to experiment with ways that work for them or even recall times in their life where they have felt more resourced and what has worked for them because we can so often forget, like in a time of stress, all our higher functioning goes offline and, and we resort to our, our least resourceful options. Amy? Well, I think what, what you're saying, what you're both saying is a really great invitation to people to get to know your body. I mean, that, that was something that struck me about human design. And a lot of people will say human design seems so mental or so complex and it is in a lot of ways, but it's pointing to the body as a resource. And some of the aspects of strategy and inner authority, I think, can be hard to relate to if you don't have a relationship with your own body. I mean, if you don't have, if you don't have 
a sense of embodiment. I can certainly relate to that. I'm an extremely mental person. I, I mean, I can go through days of not even, I mean, really not remembering that I have a body. I, I have gone through that. I just live in my mind. But I feel really grateful to have come in contact with just different experiences or practices that help me get to know my body. And I think that's a big invitation to anybody, especially when you're not in a state of distress, <laughs> when you're not in a state of distress to just get to know, you know, what works for you. It sounds really simple, but I think a lot of us get really busy with life and all the things we feel we have to do. And we don't pay as much attention to it as we could, but find out, does it help you to take a walk? Does it help you to be touched by another person? Does it help you to breathe by yourself? What helps you connect to this form is actually okay in this moment, right here, right now. Um, whatever kind of sensory or movement or connecting experience gets you there. I mean, there's something implied in all of this where it's almost like there, there's a realization that's possible, but embodiment is part of it. Em embodiment's a huge part of it. So, yeah. It's an invitation to get, to get to know your own body. Hmm. Well, thanks, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please review us and share. For more information about us and to connect with others on this experimental journey, please visit us at humandesigncollective.com. You can also learn more by exploring our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast, courtesy of Role Model. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for more upcoming episodes on the same channel.